Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. It is Tuesday, the 28th of September. I wish I had like four hours with you this morning because we have just so much terrain and territory to cover and such a great show planned. Um, let me let me zip through a number of headlines that you're going to hear about this morning. And I just want you to be I want you to have these stories on your radar. The U.S. Congress is what I will describe as dangerously close to taking America over the proverbial fiscal cliff. Senate Republicans blocked a bill that would have averted a government shutdown and prevented the U.S. from defaulting on its debt. A debt default, really not an option. And yet that is what is right in front of us. So you're going to hear that. Um, uh, this is not a uh, the sky is falling. Uh, when, when you hear about this, like this is not like Chicken Little. Like this is a real <laughs> it's we're really headed in this direction this time. It will be interesting to see. It's never happened before. We've never gone over the fiscal cliff. So nobody really knows. Maybe it will be like, um, you know, all of the concern related to the clock turning over in the year 2000 and all of our computers were going to shut down. Uh, and then that didn't happen. Remember Y2K? All right. Well, there you go. Uh, in other uh, big news, I don't know if you even remember who R. Kelly is, but a jury convicted him of recruiting women, young women and girls for um, sex over a number of decades. And he's probably going to face a very long prison sentence. And it headlined most of uh, the secular news media last night. Um This is a little news item that you might not be hearing. But, you know, in all of the concerns that we have related to things getting to other places, so we call that supply chain. Well, there's a lot of supply chain issues related to vegetables um, and plastic forks. And the places in the country where a lot of vegetables are served and plastic forks are used are public schools. And so public schools are now offering less healthy lunches because they're facing shortages of things like vegetables. So you might uh, get together with your local public school and see how you might, through the backpack program or through some other snack program, supplement what kids are getting, particularly kids who don't have access to, to, to other healthy foods at home. Facebook has delayed its launch of Instagram Kids. Instagram Kids was designed for children under the age of 14. Um, why would Facebook delay the launch of Instagram Kids? Well, they are facing a congressional hearing on the effects that Facebook knows Instagram has on the mental health of young people and has known for a long time, a story we have talked about uh, earlier here. You remember the DACA program, the program um, that shields undocumented young adults from deportation? Uh, the Biden administration is moving to preserve DACA. Uh, and so that would be something that you would want to be aware of as well. A federal judge agreed to free John Hinckley Jr. You remember him? He shot uh, Ronald Reagan in 1981. He's considered no longer a threat to society, um, has served his time. Um, and so that's going to be an interesting story to watch as well. 
China allowed an American brother and sister to return home after three years of what I will call uh, hostage diplomacy. Their release coincides with the U.S. deal letting a Huawei executive back into China. So there you go. There's some of the headline news of the day. Let's talk with Nick Pitts, fellow from the Institute for Global Engagement, an engaged guy who the next time we talk to him will be a married guy. But today he's still an engaged guy from the Institute for Global Engagement. So he and I are going to talk about some other headlines. We'll be right back. Joining me now, Nick Pitts. He is a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. You can follow him on Twitter at JNickPitts. Hey, man. Why, hello there, Carmen. So great to be with you. How are you? I'm so great. I'm so great. How long is the list for this week in preparation for the nuptials? Well, um, I uh, let's just say the 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 moon is closer to me. The moon's a little bit farther away than my list, and so, but not by much. There's there is quite a few things to do. I'm glad I could take a break this morning. We're so glad to have you on. You. You're definitely at the get or done stage of the list. Just I'm just letting oh, you know. Oh yeah, so, that yeah. is for sure. It's all good. It's all good. Sure. And any of it, any of it that doesn't get done is okay, except for you do have to like write her a card that she can read while she's getting re- getting ready and oh, yeah. and and you got to make sure that you know you've got your passport and those plane tickets to france oh yeah that is I'm the, just the saying, passport like, the vaccine card has already been put in the luggage just in case yeah, the card has saying, already been it, written i am i'm on go. top of the main things and the main things that is for sure and sweet jim Laburge would tell you um don't forget the ring we, the rings, my sweet the rings. one of my sweet yeah one of my sweet um uh now sons had to leave the wedding and drive home and get the oh. ring mm-hmm. oh no mm-hmm. oh yes yeah, so, the rings you know, are it's getting the, delivered it's today so yes but you have to actually make sure they get to the ceremony i'm just saying you know, like, these, these is, are the things these are the things <laughs> okay you you will have things and we will talk about your things in, in a month or so okay let's oh, talk yeah, about What's going on in New York City? They are apparently planning to fire thousands of health care workers because those health care workers are refusing to get vaccinated. Yeah, you're, you're seeing it's, it's really fascinating. So the, the, the recently uh, appointed or I guess the recently named governor, Kathy Hochul, has decided that uh, unvaccinated uh, medical care professionals are a risk to those that are in hospitals. And so she has decided to take the extreme effort of not just finding them like some other hospitals or co- making them get weekly tests to make sure they don't have COVID, but rather she's just going to fire them when um, when we're when we're at a place in our economy right now where individuals are have lost significant number of individuals have lost their jobs due to the pandemic and this is accelerating that. But what we're seeing though is it's it's interesting like the difference that's uh, when you break down because medical professionals. Is such a broad category. But when you break it down, it's really fascinating. So a recent AMA survey found that 96% of surveyed U.S. 
physicians have been fully vaccinated for COVID-19 and have also are also recommending accept and outlier circumstances. But the research, another survey found that 27% of healthcare workers didn't plan on getting vaccinated. So healthcare workers being those outside uh, in the survey, those that were not physicians. So what you're seeing are nurses, um, uh, healthcare staff, et cetera, or there's a little bit of hesitancy. And they pointed to the fact that there's just some um, uh, reports out about many are concerned about infertility and unable to care for their family, which are legitimate concerns to, to be had. And I'm sure some of your listeners have seen some of those claims that have been offered up. But there's a study out of the American Society for Reproductive Medicine that found the concerns about infertility and vaccines to be, quote, unwarranted and the social social media panic that's happened because of it to be, quote, unfounded, close quote. And so there's just this there's just this very interesting um, uh, response. Uh, and I would say it's a, a, a pretty harsh response to the individuals that don't want to get vaccinated. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, we're going to talk about it at length with uh, with Jeff Barrows from the Christian Medical and Dental Association uh, a little bit later in the program today. For that very reason, we have a we have a lot of listeners who um, every time we talk about uh, you know the vaccine conversation in the country, um, they make sure that I know uh, how they feel and think about these things. Yeah. Um, and and we have a wide diversity of uh, of opinions and convictions in our listening audience. I totally understand that. I have that same range in my own family. Like, I, yeah. these are not conversations that everybody is not having all the time everywhere. And so, um, you know, part of what we're trying to model is how do we have healthy conversations about such things, recognizing that people are going to end up at different places. Um, I think one of the maybe trouble, troubling things to me is how quickly those who... Well, let's just say people are swinging the swinging an axe in the middle of a conversation related to vaccines, no matter which side they're standing on. And so they're trying to slay the other person. And that's just really not helpful. I can stand in my kitchen and have an extended conversation with a member of my family who is not vaccinated and choosing not to be vaccinated and choosing not to have their children vaccinated for all of the reasons that everybody is hesitant to do so. Um, And I can also have a conversation with another member of my family who is is not only vaccinated but advocates that others be vaccinated as well like i i get it i get why people are doing what they're doing um and how they're guided by their own conscience in doing that um and finding a way to have the conversation with one another in ways that doesn't just slay the other person like i still want to have dinner with everybody and so oh, yeah. you know i just think it, like that like, right that's the challenge I, the, the key, like, like you've just perfectly eliminated is this idea, it says in Colossians 3, to want to bear with one another in love. How do we bear with one another? And like you said, it's not just one side of the aisle that's looking to completely slay, destroy, et cetera. I mean, you even saw Governor Hochul over the weekend, she was speaking at the Christian Cultural Center. I don't know if you saw this. She said, quote, yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But, you know, there are people mm. on other side who aren't listening to God and listening to what God wants, close quote. So she's referencing this God. And it's almost, it's a form of legalism to quote your obedience and your relationship with God determines your vaccine is, is indicated by your vaccination status. And that that's just not the case. It's, it's unhelpful 
in these type of lives because there's no shame isn't going to convert any one side to the other. We're going to have to bear with one another in love, being exercising perfect patience like our God has exercised perfect patience with us. And I am of the mind that, yes, I think vaccines of getting vaccinated is a way to love your neighbor, but it's not the only way to love your neighbor. And, and we need to be we need to have the largeness of spirit and the patience and the mind of Christ uh, as we enter into this very it's a very difficult conversation that both sides just want the best, but they have different, they come down on different sides as to what the best looks like. All right. You're going to have to send me that link. Okay. Um, because that's how I need that. All right. Uh, Nick and I are going to continue our conversation in just a moment. We're going to actually pivot and have a conversation about fasting. What is fasting for and what is it not for? There is a pastor Uh, at a Lutheran church who stopped eating on Saturday and says he is going to continue his fast until Congress passes a particular bill. That's that's quite a standard of choosing uh, when to end your fast. So we're going to talk about that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, continuing my conversation with Nick Pitts. Um, Nick, let's talk about uh, Reverend Jonathan Barker, pastor of the Grace Lutheran um, Church in, mm-hmm, yeah, I don't know where he is. You have to, you have to fill us in. Fill us in, on the, yeah. fill us in on this story. This is more accurately called a hunger strike, but he says he is not going to eat until Congress passes a climate bill. Yeah, he is. Uh, 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 our, our brother is very interested in seeing the the three point five trillion has been the number that's been thrown around right now. The the Build Back Better plan by President Biden is passed, and so he has made the uh, declaration that he will uh, fat, quote unquote fast, like you said. It's not really a fast as much as it is a hunger strike until that bill is passed. He's doing so really based um, based on what I understood really based on the idea of the climate protocols. So there's a there's a growing contingent within uh, the Christian church right now that is uh, extremely concerned, um, as we all are concerned, as, uh, as those that have been called to steward and cultivate the earth. Um, our brother has decided that he is very concerned with uh, the way that the climate, um, uh, the government uh, control and government intervention in the climate change um, debate. And so he is fasting until the um, bill is passed. So that, or uh, or until he drops 6% body fat, at which point in time he is going to take it week to week and closely evaluate how he's feeling and then discern whether or not he will continue. And, and I'm just on saying, so it, you know, I'm just saying this is sort of a fast with a caveat. So, yeah. um, all that said, uh, he is in Kenosha, Wisconsin. For those of you who wanted to know where this particular Grace Lutheran Church is, and um, follow the Reverend Jonathan Barker story. So let's talk about what fasting in the Bible is actually for. Yeah, you know, fasting is. Go- I like just the simplistic term. Fasting is going without something good in order to express our need for something greater. Uh, you know, God fashioned us in this intrinsically glorious way. Um, it would say uh, in the Psalms 139, he, he fashioned us, weaving in 
weaving the eternal into these temporal sinews. And hunger awakens us of our need for sustenance, but um, the fasting awakens us to our need for a Savior and our God, knowing that man doesn't live on bread alone, is what Jesus said in Matthew 4. When we fast, we aren't to do when we fast, not if we fast. And so the biblical narrative in Matthew 6 appears to indicate that this should be a regular, this should be a part of our uh, spiritual life when we're fasting, uh, we're to do so not to make a public show of it, um, like like those that uh, in Jesus's day were doing so by looking emaciated or by having the ashes upon their head, but rather it's to be a uh, it's to be a personal commitment and a personal undertaking between one and Lord. There's a lot of. Uh fasting examples in the Bible and people who fast, and there are conversations um, by Jesus about fasting. Um, there are questions from others about why um, why Jesus' disciples are eating what they're eating and when they're eating and who he's eating with. And so uh, just a reminder that, you know, we are, we are a people who have a renewed relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We are animated by the Holy Spirit, and there are things we are called to do in this life that look odd to the world. But fasting is one of those things that as a spiritual exercise is actually supposed to be done in in quiet or in secret. And so I would say this is more accurately called a political hunger strike than a legitimate biblical fast. So um, one more know. story. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Oh, no, I'm going to get to mourning our pets. If we if we keep oh, talking yeah, about gotta, fasting, then I know we got to talk about I know we pets. got. I know. All right. So people are going to get time off to mourn the death of their pets. Let me just say, I totally 100% get this and also recognize from a Christian worldview, we have to figure out where the right place of pets is in our lives. Oh, my goodness. I completely agree. So uh, as I'm sure many of your listeners can attest and they have uh, friends that um, are evidence of this, there has been an exponential growth in pet ownership over the pandemic. We've just seen this skyrocketing uh, of individuals that decide they want pets since they're working remotely, since they're um, doing social distancing or they're not uh, being around as many people. So we're seeing this huge uh, uptick in the number of individuals uh, that own pets. And we know that pets, it's kind of neat, some of the research around it. We know pets kind of are interesting with what they do. They greet their owners longer. They're more enthusiastically around their owners compared to their non-owners. We didn't domesticate dogs, but rather dogs domesticate us to a certain degree. They do shape us in newfound ways. But the reality is there's a it's it's good. It's a it's a biblical thing to want to care for the animal from Proverbs 12. It's a it's a it's a sign of the righteous. But we also know that um, that there is we can fall prey to idolizing our pets as well when our happiness is determined by them rather than by the one who created them. So living on a farm and also being a, you know, a family where hunting um, and then eating wild game is, you know, just a regular part of the rhythm, annual rhythm of life. Um, you know, there's a difference for us between our pets and, um, you know, and animals that are, we know, ultimately going to be food on the table and I think there are a lot of people who live so far away from the farm and so far away from the the food source that some of that is lost. And so I guess, you know, part of this conversation is um, 
I have a great and deep and uh, affection. I love our pets. I also love our livestock. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a a difference. You know, there's there's for sure a difference in the way that I feel when I'm serving dinner and I know that what is on the table is something that we raised. And there's a gratitude toward God um, when you're really close to the lifeblood that was given so that you could eat and be mm-hmm. nourished and satisfied. And so, you know, let me just say to those of you who are um, uh, raising food for the rest of us and those of you who are hunters and you're doing that to satisfy the hunger um, of of your family and others, um, let's be sure that we pause to recognize the gift of the lifeblood uh, of that animal, even even as we as a society you know, recognize that it's possible, it's possible we have over-identified with our pets. It's possible. Just keeping them uh, in Nick, proper. Yeah. yeah. Is it possible? Great. Is it possible we've over-identified with our pets? Uh, there is a high likelihood. Uh, it's possible. That we, uh, so. <laughs> Nick and I are going to leave it right there. All right. What What's the one thing that you guys have registered for that you're like super duper hope you are most excited about the possibility of receiving as a gift. Oh my goodness, Carmen. I like, I literally just wanted a cooler. My goodness. I, there I you didn't go. have, I've only bought coolers at gas stations my entire life and I've wasted <laughs> no telling how much money on those dang coolers. All right. So, so is it a Yeti or an Orca or what? What's the, I have no clue what she, oh, what she chose. She was the cooler. one that, got to make that decision so i just i'm gonna be uh there's fantastic i love it i love it that it's such a practical thing all right that's nick pitts the next time we talk to him i think he will be a married guy is that true oh so true so true saturday love you man love you blessings love y'all all right we'll be right back All right, there are a range of headlines uh, beyond our borders, what's going on around the world. So Luke Moon from the Philos Project and Providence Magazine is going to join us. We're going to talk about Afghanistan. We're going to talk about China. I'm going to ask him what should be on our radar in terms of religious freedom and religious minorities around the world. All that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Sometimes it feels like nothing you do gets through to your kid. Ever hit a wall like that? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. A girl came to live at our residential counseling center in Texas, and she was as bad as it gets. Seemed like nothing I did got through to this rebellious kid. But during one of our intense conversations, I asked her, what do you want from me? She responded, love me when I least deserve it, because that's when I need it the most. Her answer stopped me dead in my tracks. As I hugged her, I kept thinking, what she needs is grace. So mom, dad, when your son or daughter drives you crazy, remember to love them when they least deserve it, because that's when they need it the most. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find encouragement through articles, books, and more at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns. When the man comes around. Luke Moon is back from the Philos Project and Providence Magazine. Luke, 
Hey, friend. Hey, it's good to be here with you, Carmen. It's great to have you. Um, so a number of headlines related to the Taliban, which is now the quote-unquote government of the nation of Afghanistan. Girls have been prohibited from returning to school, and just yesterday the Taliban has barred women from uh, attending Kabul University. Barbers have been warned to stop trimming beards because it runs contrary to the Taliban's view of Islamic law. Um, And the Taliban has taken to publicly displaying the bodies of those executed by the police for things like kidnapping or um, or holding people for ransom. Um, Is so, you know, what's going on in Afghanistan from your viewpoint? And um, is this a government? Is this what we call a government? Well, I mean, it. I mean, I. It is a government, and I mean, what you're saying is what I'm saying. I mean, it's it is a return to the Taliban of old. I mean, you know, you and I are old enough to remember Taliban before 2001, and it was illegal to listen to music at a wedding, right? Like it was. It, they. It. This is just. I mean, they returned to the the ways of the past. And at that time, there was actually a civil war taking place where there was, you know, the Northern Alliance, uh, which we ended up joining forces with to push out the Taliban. Uh, they were the they were basically the good guys and and the Taliban was the bad guys and Taliban came back and the Northern Alliance hasn't yet. I, I suspect it wouldn't it's not going to be long before, uh, you know, a civil war restarts and. We uh, we we get back to to those days as well. Uh, mm. You know, Afghanistan is is a very difficult place to govern, and you know, I think one of the things that you can you, you see in lots of places around the world where there is a a very strong totalitarian bent, uh, people will will you know, black markets are created. Um, uh, you know, lots of side hustles are created. And it, you know, people, people get by. I mean, one of the things that you see in a place like even like Iran, where, you know, I think the outside world sees Iran as, oh, you know, such a such a strong Muslim observant country. But if you look at their fertility rates, they're no different than like Italy, which is not, you know, the bastion of like Christian Catholicism or anything these days anymore. Right. And so it's clear that like, yeah, on the outside. Everybody's Muslim, but on the inside, they're basically just, you know, uh, agnostics or, you know, non-nuns, mm. to use the American terminology, right? And so I think, you know, in Afghanistan, that's going to be the, you know, the the way forward is people are going to, you know, do the, the things that show the outside appearance. But, you know, one of the things I think that we've found, you know, in our 20-year war there is you can't change hearts and minds by the end of a gun, whether whether that's in the direction of democracy or in the direction of Islamic totalitarianism. Mm-hmm. I'm holding out hope that the 20 years that we spent there and that the investment made in a now entire generation of Afghanis in terms of worldview and education, I am hopeful that that now is you know, latent. It may be invisible. There may be, um, uh, there certainly may be a burqa over it uh, for a period Uh of time. I think here about Daniel uh, in terms of the Old Testament and 
you know, Daniel still lived as an absolutely faithful man to God, even though he lived as a man in utter captivity. Um, and so I'm, I am praying ardently for those who I now view as a captive people who, as you say, you know, on the inside, they have a different worldview than what the outside uh, forces, namely the Taliban, are now requiring of them in terms of outward appearance and the things that they are allowed to do um, or, or where they can go or who they must be with when they go. Um, and so I'm holding out hope that they're, you know, there is a, an internal reality um, and that that internal reality will at some point, at some point in the future, um, have the opportunity to be fully expressed um, on the outside as well. No, I, I, listen, I, I, th- I don't think I'm as hopeful as you. I mean, I hope that that's, I mean, I hope that that's true, but I think the challenge, the challenge is, is that, I mean, the Taliban has the guns, right? That's, that matters. And, and, you know, one of the things that I think you can see just even in the United States, in Australia, in like with, with mask mandates and mandates of all kinds, like it, the people are compliant most of the time, really. I mean, that, like people, you know, there, there, there's not a lot of boat rockers out there and it's going to take a lot of boat rockers to shake off the Taliban. And um, and and it's going to take somebody else with with, you know, power, uh, guns and a, a willingness uh, to die for those beliefs. And if and it seems like a lot of those people who were who didn't want to live under the Taliban rule got on airplanes and mm-hmm. and they left. Who's going to who's going to who's going to fight? I mean, there's only 250 at best, 250,000 uh, Iraqi Christians left in Iraq. Why? Because it was just like they weren't going to, they didn't want to fight. They just were not, they didn't want to fight. It was easier to leave than fight. And, mm-hmm. and those, that, you know, and, and they're gone. And the Christians in Iraq are basically don't exist anymore. Right. And it's because people, it, it, it takes a lot to, to, you know, lay down your life, lay down your job for your belief. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm in New York and, 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 you know, at midnight last night, a bunch of nurses and doctors and medical workers lost their job because they weren't mm-hmm. willing to comply with the New York mandate, right? Like those people are, are very much in the minority and there's not a lot of people who are willing to do that to, to, and, and that's just their livelihood. They're not talking about, they're not giving up their life. They just they just gave up their livelihood, which is a lot, mind you. I'm not yeah. sure. That's no, I think you're I, right. I I think you are exactly right. I think there is a very real conversation that each and every one of us needs to have about, you know, how much comfort or security we're willing to give up in order to do that which is righteous and stand up for that which is right and take a stand when God calls us to do so. And so I think that, um, I think you're exactly right. All right. Hey, let's take I mean, a very brief yeah, break. Many, okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, <laughs> yeah, that's go okay. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Daniel, with Daniel, there was like, you know, in the book of Daniel, there, what, were there were four? How many, how many, <laughs> right. how many, how many Jews went to, to Babylon? And, and, and we know and the names our, of four. It's four. And we know the name of four. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, praise the Lord for those four. I mean, they give uh, they give a lot of people a lot of courage in dark moments. But four, but four, yeah, four. And then there were four. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're gonna. Um, oh, by the way, we're having um, Juliana um, Tomarosi on tomorrow to talk about the Christians in Iraq and um, and her nomination for a Nobel Prize. What? I, I know. I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud. I'm of her. so proud of her. I can't believe I got to go to Israel and experience it with her. And so I just now I look back at that day that I spent with her in the market, and I'm just like, just I know I'm kind of a giddy girl about the whole thing. So, um, so thank you because that was a gift uh, from you and the Philos Project. So, um, all right, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, um, Luke and I are going to talk about China's hostage diplomacy and how the Xi government gets what it wants. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, we um, we shared at the open of the show that China has allowed an American brother and sister to return home after three years of what is now clear hostage diplomacy. Um, we also recognize that there are Canadian citizens who have been released as a part of the Huawei uh, move by the U.S. government to uh, to allow their CFO to return to China. Um, so Beijing is pretty openly now using detained foreign citizens uh, to get its way. What's uh, what's going on in China's hostage diplomacy? Well, you know, the it all comes down to this, you know, massive conglomerate uh, called Huawei, which is a which is a basically a telecom company. And the CFO was being held uh, in in Canada specifically, but about to be deported to the United States to face charges because of uh, basically uh, selling to Iran, going against the U.S. Um, economic embargo on Iran or economic uh, sanctions on Iran, and um, and so she was being kind of held for that, uh, and China used. You know, had a couple of uh, high-profile prisoners themselves, and they're like, "Hey, let's make a deal." And unfortunately, you know, there we we have a, a seemingly a Biden administration that is that is uh, weak on on uh, negotiating with China and with any real strength, and and this was one example of it. Uh, and the fact that you know it it dealt with Iran. And it was three years ago under the Trump administration and the Biden administration is trying to be all, you know, <clears throat> good and, and back in the in back in the saddle with Iran. Uh, that, I think, plays into this as well. Um, mm. And the, the other the other big factor here is that, you know, there's a there was a lot of distrust and still it's still there because it's it's at it's not at the appointee level. It's the next level down about. Uh, Huawei's 5G network. That's that is the the fight here is actually over over the 5G network and what China can include in their kind of you know if they put a 5G chip in your blender, uh, can they turn it on when they want to? Can they listen to it? To you know, it, it, basically, it's giving China you know your uh you, you, the the access to our homes in the same way that Google and Amazon do, right? Where they can listen into every conversation. <laughs> Might be not yeah. your blender, mind exactly, but it's it's that 
it's the it might uh, be your smart ref- it might be your quote unquote smart refrigerator internet, absolutely no question about that it's no, there's no question it's yeah the internet of things right the internet yeah i mean rod rod dreyer talks about this in in uh in live not by lies i mean when you know when he just says you know we're just inviting surveillance into our homes and so you just need to consider that just because it's the latest and greatest new gadget um, consider the surveillance that you're potentially inviting into your home. I know, um, and Carmen, so my, you know, my refrigerator tells me when the door is open and when I'm <laughs> out of ice and when I need to replace my filter. It's so convenient. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Maybe but what is your refrigerator telling other people about what <laughs> is going on in your house? <laughs> Yeah, I have a dumb, I have a lot of dumb stuff in my house. I'm just saying, I know, I, I know I'm, and I'm, I, you know, I'm obviously, um, technologically engaged. I'm completely 100% reliant on the internet for what we're doing right now in this very moment. Um, I use my, I mean, you know, my phone and my computer are pretty much on all day long. They're off at night, but you know how off they are. I don't really know. Right. I mean, if they're plugged in and they're sleeping, are they still on? Like, there's just a lot. There's a lot going on there in terms of technology that's just yep. beneath the surface. Those of us who are on social media, you know, I just think we just recognize that every single nanosecond we're producing data points for other people to sort of add to our psychographic information that they're retaining about us. And um, so I'm one of those people who just sort of recognizes that everybody yeah, already knows I, everything I, about me. I'm so why not just surprised. but but I don't want surveillance in my house if I can avoid it. <laughs> right. I'm a little, but I'm I'm also surprised, you know, like you know, people are freaked out about privacy. I'm like, I'm on the internet. I have yeah. a Google, like, like I'm surprised when people are not listening to me than when people are, <laughs> right? But it it is it is you know here is what we're at is this is where you have these major international, you have nations kind of using those or potentially using those that information to to do, you know, uh, corporate espionage, to get secrets, to get, you know, innovation, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that's that's really at, at play behind all this. And, you know, the the prisoner exchange, the hostage exchange type situation uh, just kind of underscores the how important it is uh, that how nations are, are viewing this new world that we're in but it also you know one of the one of the things that it also is going to i think become a challenge is that you know the the xi government seems to be uh you know scoring all the points here but Mm -hmm. you got to understand also there's a there's a point in which you know an overly central planned system requires so much knowledge and here's the, the weakness the real weakness of of the communist and socialist system is it requires so much knowledge that it it runs into reality at some point mm. and you're seeing that with the economy in china you're seeing that with the with with major shortages uh you know there there's there's whole cities that basically have turned off the street lights because the 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 coal and natural gas prices are have gotten so high, and it's because they want to have blue sky for for the uh, Olympic Games, right? Mm. And which means they turn off all the smelters. Which, unfortunately, you know, or fortunately, depending on which side that you're on, like 
you know, most of the stuff, at least some product in your eyesight right now, uh, probably most of it actually, is manufactured in China. Or if it's not, or some part of it, yeah. or yeah, or that's what I mean—a part of it, or yeah. it's or it's assembled in China or next door. Like, you know, there the the supply chain of of the world that goes into our devices, our things, just like we're holding on to right now, are so vastly complex. Yeah. Right, and and I mean, there's 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 literally t- like thousands of trucks made by you know chevrolet sitting in lots uh right now that can't start because they're missing a chip right Mm -hmm. like and 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 that chip is not being made because there's not enough workers and because there's a shortage of this or that or whatever and and that is the reality of of our world and and it's it's about to i think get a lot worse and um it's there's 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 a there's a a big shift I think that is about to uh, cascade upon us, and and uh, you know it's it's all kind of it's related to COVID, but it's also related to just the uh, the nature of of a major I think economic and shifting uh, view of of the world that's coming. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that would get us into a whole conversation about supply chain, but we don't have um, we don't have time to talk about that today. Um, so I'll just say this: plant your victory garden. It's time to plant your um, your your winter greens. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yes. That's what I have for yeah. you. And buy local. Get get your local, local supply chain. There's somebody. There's yeah. somebody with some chickens laying some eggs today near you. So there you yeah. go. Hook up. Be yeah. sure you hook up with them. Um, Luke, we got to leave it right there. I love you, man. I totally appreciate you. You guys can find Luke at the Philos Project and Providence Magazine. We got to take a brief break. We'll be right back. Okay, uh, today in in the Jewish tradition is the beginning of Simshat Torah. It also means the rejoicing in the Torah. It starts today. It celebrates the completion of a cycle of readings that ends with the end of the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Moses gathering all the Israelites for a final speech before ascending Mount Nebo. Uh, Jews then roll the Torah scroll. Remember, it's a scroll. They roll it back to its beginning and start a new cycle of readings with Genesis 1. So how is your reading plan going for 2021? And if you need to roll back the scroll, um, now's the time to do that. Simchat Torah is a Jewish liturgical season that begins today. See, I thought that might be a fun where in the word inspiration for us today. Where in the word are you today? Let us be in the word of God before we get out into the world that God so loves. And let us certainly do that in ways that honor Jesus. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.